Welcome to another episode of At the Crossroads, Intersections in African Spirituality with me, your host, Iadarasia. I am so excited about this March 2021 episode that I'm doing in honor of Women's History Month, which for me is Black Women's History Month. And so along with giving some updates and talking a little bit about astrology, I'm going to be sharing a conversation that I had with two of my friends and comrades in struggle, Saliba Obuya and Zalika Ibaorimi. And we're going to be talking about the intersections of African spirituality with Black feminism and womanism. So I hope y'all enjoy. Stay tuned. So last month, I mentioned two new exciting updates. Um, One of them was the monthly candle services that I was offering. So thank you to all who ordered your road opening candle service. Thank you all for your support. I'm going to continue offering these monthly candle services. And so for the month of April, I'm going to be offering crown of success candle services. And so crown of success candles really focus on supporting you in endeavors where you want to make sure that you are on top. So whether that's in getting a promotion for a job or whether that's starting a new business or a new project, and you just really want to petition the universe and petition your guides and your ancestors to support this work, crown of success candles are perfect for that. So I'm going to be offering those candles for the month of April, and I'll actually start taking orders for those on March 29th. So you'll definitely see me posting on social media. You can also check out my website, kalungahealingarts.com, and all of the information will be there. I also mentioned bless up boxes, which I'm definitely going to have. There's been a little bit of a delay because I am waiting on one item. Um, You know, you work with different suppliers. Sometimes things come at different times, but they're definitely going to be coming. And again, the theme is abundance. And I'm really, really excited about some of the offerings in the box. Um, So I'm going to be offering some citrine. Um, Citrine is a crystal, a beautiful crystal. It's like a yellow golden color and it supports abundance. One of my favorite crystals to have on hand or to wear. Um, Also going to be offering some of my um, secure your bag oil that you can use for candles. You can use for yourself. You can use it for your wallet, for your money, just to attract more abundance and wealth. Um, offer also going to be offering, um, some candles, um, some affirmation cards. So I'm really, really excited. You can expect to see those up on the website in the next two weeks or so. So let's talk a little bit about astrology and I'm not going to talk too much about this topic only because I want to get right into our conversation um, and spend more time with that. 
But yeah, we just had this new moon in Pisces and I don't know about y'all, you know, Pisces energy, I love it because I feel like it's so like spiritual and mystical and dreamy. But sometimes when the moon is in Pisces, it's just really hard for me to get like my thoughts together. <laughs> I just feel like I'm swimming in the ocean of feelings that I'm like, wait, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Um, and the thing is, is that, you know, my moon is in Pisces um, in my natal chart in the 12th house. So if you understand that you're probably like, oh my gosh. Um, but it means that I, I kind of like perpetually live in that state <laughs> of swimming in this sea of emotions. But, um, I feel like I, I feel that energy more intensified during the new moon in Pisces. So definitely felt like last week, like my week was kind of all over the place. And I feel like over the weekend, things kind of got a little bit clearer and I was able to be more productive, but sometimes it's good to just have that rest, you know, and maybe that's what that new moon energy is about. Like let's rest and let's reflect instead of thinking that we have to be doing something. So I feel like that's the universe's reminder that it's okay to have that time for rest. But I've just been thinking a lot about astrology lately and really thinking about African-centered ways of understanding astrology. So really thinking about like, how did our African ancestors understand it? How did our ancestors and the diaspora understand it? I really tried to like put myself in their place and think about, you know, how would they interpret certain signs? How would they look at you know, the movements of these heavenly bodies and, and what would it mean for them? And then I thought about how I learned way back when, when I was an undergrad, um, about the Nile Valley and how astrologers in the Nile Valley used to predict when the river was going to flood by astrology. So that was just a reminder that astrology wasn't just used to just like predict like temperaments or predict personality, but it was used to predict natural events. And therefore astrology was deeply tied to geography. It was deeply tied to the land, right? And understanding like what was, what was happening or what was going to happen on this land that we live on. And with that knowledge, what can we do to prepare ourselves? And that made me think about how our ancestors knew how to read all kinds of signs, like in the sky, in the waters, with animals. And all of that led to deeper understandings of themselves and the world around them and how they fit into that world. And then I also just thought about how African spirituality just doesn't center theory without praxis. So everything that we know we put to use in some way. If we know that a plant has a particular quality, then we will put it to use in that way. If we know about a particular energy, then we figure out how to use it to our benefit. And so I thought about if we know that Jupiter is expansive energy and Saturn is contractive energy, how can we put that energy to use? And not just for our own individual benefit, but even when we think about for the collective, and these are just thoughts I have in my head. See this like new moon in Pisces, right? <laughs> All of these different thoughts just kind of swimming in my head. But another thing I thought about was like even the North Star and how important that star was in helping enslaved Africans find freedom. Like literally they were using the North Star to say, okay, this is the direction that we need to go in to get our freedom. So when thinking about that, 
does that star have some significance for us as a collective, as descendants of enslaved Africans, and really looking at how we can be free in particular ways? Um, so I'm just going to be like digging into this over the next few months, and I will definitely share you know, whatever I find with you all. But yeah, these are my astrological musings. And like I said, probably has a lot to do with this new moon in Pisces energy that we were experiencing. And my moon is in Pisces. So kind of like double energy for me. Um, but that's all I really wanted to share about astrology because I really, really want to dig into this conversation. Um, and I hope that you all enjoy it. So like I said, this was a conversation between two of my friends and comrades, Taliba Obuya and Zalika Iba-Orimi, who was also my goddaughter um, in the Orisha tradition. And so we did have a little bit of tech issue um, in the recording of this. Um, for the most part, it is clear. And if there were any parts that I think might have been unclear to you all. I tried to repeat them um, so that you all would be able to hear it. But I really, really hope that you enjoy this conversation. Again, we we're just talking about how we see our own practices and African spirituality intersecting with our work as activists and particularly the work that we do that is centered in Black feminism and womanism. So I hope y'all enjoy. All right, so we're going to begin our conversation with two of my friends and comrades, Taliba Obuya and Zalika Iba-Orimi. As I mentioned earlier, I specifically wanted to have this conversation in honor of Women's History Month, which for us is Black Women's History Month, let's be clear, and mm -hmm. talk about Black feminist, womanist work and activism and how they intersect with African spirituality. So first, let's start with some intros. Let's talk about who you are, where you're from, and describe for us the work that you do as an activist and specifically where Black feminism and womanism shows up in your work. So Taliba, you wanna go first? Okay, cool. So um, peace uh, everyone, I'm Taliba Obuya. I'm located in uh, the US South um, in the state of Georgia, but I'm originally from what I like to say, North Mexico, known to most as Houston, Houston, Texas, just a little piece of, you know, land sovereignty. But yeah, so I'm located in Decatur, Georgia, the occupied land of the Creek Nation. And of course, you know, a former slave state. So um, currently I organize on behalf of seeking and hopefully acquiring the self-determination for the Black nation that is in the U.S. empire. And I am lucky to both organize through my political home of the Malcolm X grassroots movement, but then I also do some youth organizing and so my politics shows up there as well. All right, cool. And what about you, Z? <laughs> that was good to leave. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I'm Zalika Ibarimi. I am also an MXGM with Daraja and Taliba. This is interesting too because I am Daraja's goddaughter as well. So I feel like mm -hmm. I want to <laughs> preface it with that statement. Um, but I, I think if I could really, really make it as concise as possible, one of the things that I really, really value and center in my work is sex work advocacy. Um, and I really, really want to make sure that there's always some sort of Black queer feminist or womanist uh, gender or sexual analysis in almost everything. So I do believe, of course, in, you know, getting our people free, 
freeing us from um, white supremacy as the Black nation, but also in addition to that, just making sure that we have a base and that we have a home to also do a lot of the work because a lot of the work um, that we have right now was internal. So just having like right. analyses, um, critique, and then just a praxis for how we want to move forward, how we want to be better. So it's a little bit yes. about myself. I love that. Yes, Thank you, B. That was really good. And that kind of like ties into a lot of what I want to talk about. Um, but just for folks who don't know, can we just describe like what the Malcolm X grassroots movement is and where it is situated ideologically in the larger Black liberation movement? Any of y'all want to take that? Uh, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, so the Malcolm X grassroots movement, known as MXGM, uh, was started in a birth out of the New African Independence Movement. Uh, the 80s and the 90s where you see um, political prisons come about in the U.S. And so mm -hmm. that's like at the end of the Black Power movement where we might hear of, I think when we think about history, it's the civil rights movements of the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and then we Black Power movement with the arts movement and all of those collective pieces. And then we kind of leap forward to Black Lives Matter, but movement continued. And so the New York Independence Movement toward the um, the late 80s, early 90s. And um, we believe in the self-determination as a human right for Black mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. We identify as New Africans, simply stating that there is a nation in this, in this country of Black folks. And at the ending of the enslavement of our ancestors, we could have returned home to the continent of Africa. We could have been given citizenship in this country, or we should have been given our freedom and liberties as an independent nation. Mm -hmm. um, so using that international human rights framework, we fight for and demand self-determination for Black people. Um, so our politics, I would say, in there we have six guiding principles um, that have continued to be expanded. I feel like it gets a little bit of Z's this intro of your work. Like we, um, mm -hmm. our sixth principle is around ending sexist oppression because our founding mm -hmm. mothers knew that mm -hmm. we need to do things differently in the civil rights movement. And then we had to be clear to expand our first principle to say when we say we are demanding and defending human rights of the entire Black nation of new Africans, that means all of us, regardless of your sexuality, your gender, um, mm -hmm. your religion, um, those identities the larger identity is new African and we demand human rights for all. So, mm -hmm. so I would say that um, I know we're going to get into like our political lineages and things of that later in the conversation, but um, yeah, we're freedom fighters. We're political prisons and exiles. We are those black folks who have deep Southern roots and black radical tradition of resistance. And uh, we seek that liberation that our um, foremothers and fathers um, and parents also dreamed of. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I could That was good. I want to say that right now, right now, MSGM, we're going through our um, new members orientation. So I could definitely yeah. feel Saliba, you had that. Like, yes, I'm right. Right. In the bag. In the bag. <laughs> I know that like, we did do orientation <laughs> yesterday. That might be leftover energy from yeah. yesterday. Yes, <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel it. 
So I think it's something um, interesting that you said, Z, when you talked about having like a black queer feminist lens. And I feel like that's really important because, you know, even in thinking about what you just said, Taliba, about like where MXGM is and like where it's like situated in a larger movement and how there's a focus on self-determination there's a there's mm-hmm. a focus on freeing political prisoners and when you when you hear language like that a lot of times you really don't hear like the 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 mention of like a black queer feminist lens and I know that we've like heard people say like that doesn't even really have a place in the struggle at all like you know like we don't even right really right right engage in these things so for y'all like where does that fit in and why is that so important and vital to make sure that we have that particular lens, whether it's like black feminism, whether it's womanism, whether it's like a black queer feminist lens, like where does that fit into the larger Mm. movement and why is that so important for you? Mm. Okay, I can go, I can go. Yeah. I think as you were saying that, I was thinking a lot about just the example of someone like an Islan Nettles, um, who was a black trans woman who was murdered in 2013. And I think thinking about her life and thinking about those intersections between just the state um, and then also community. And I think about just all the ways that, of course, the state is naturally going to fail someone like her. But I also think of the ways that the people around her also failed her. Um, And that when she was murdered, she was murdered in front of a police station, but also in front of Mm. members of her own community. Mm. And I think that because of just the ways that people see um, and view, you know, black, queer and trans people, we if we if we don't see this as just like not only just a state issue and also an issue that's communal. Um, mm-hmm. things like this these violences are going to continue to happen and I think that that's a, a more extreme circumstance but it's not out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. in terms of all the things that have happened over the years additionally I'm just thinking a lot about just how sometimes as a people you know we could be very 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 conservative mm-hmm. um, and I and I think a lot about how you know you know we're, we're in this period we're talking a lot about abolition right now right and I think for a lot of people, and we've talked about this, just the three of us, but an abolition is becoming a buzzword for folk. And so sometimes people, you might hear people say, you know, I don't understand how everybody couldn't be an abolitionist right now. But then, you know, you talk to, you know, members of your own community and neighborhood and people are scared. You know, people don't like people don't like police brutality or those types of violent violences, but they're not exactly trying to do away with the police altogether because they still see them um, as folk who can offer some sort of protection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is the protection that they that we want them to offer us. Um, the same right. thing with, when we talk about incarceration and things like that. And it's like, oh, well. We don't want our people to go to jail, but if it's somebody that we really, really don't mess with, like, absolutely (laughs) throw them under the jail. You know, that's just how they are. So I think when we put all those analyses and and whatnot together, I'm even thinking about this. Like, if I'm a a Black queer person or if I'm a Black trans person and I'm dealing with violence, if I can't come to my community to help me sort through that, you know, maybe I think that my only option is to go to the police or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, without these lenses, 
we're doing ourselves a disservice. But also, I think even further than that, how can we talk about political education um, without incorporating those kinds of things? I just don't believe that there's any real way to get as free as possible or as liberated as we could be without just having those understandings. But some people, you know, they think of this as solved. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's another thing. They see it as solved, wow. but yeah. Yeah, and Z, even here you speak, I totally have just had that conversation or heard it in a different way. So yeah, I'm so excited for this to air so then I can get into a political conversation <laughs> yes. around what liberation actually looks like. Because something you said, I was having a whole like conversation. So I don't want to go um, down a tangent, but um, to answer your question, I would definitely, um, I'm an Aquarius. And sometimes well, so I think at the yeah, we both futuristic, are, right. Yeah. Right. So like I feel like at the the futuristic speed in which I'd be thinking about concepts certain times, I just think it's really simple. Um and I really think like it's just a it's an already embodiment that we do as a practice. Um mm-hmm. although when we try to put ourselves back into these colonial boxes, mm-hmm. then those contradictions come up and we link um colonial side. Yeah. And I think that because um we love our like we love our moms and our matriarchs and I'm using a larger we like we got our big mamas if it wasn't for our mamas, you know, mm-hmm. um because we definitely know like our generations have been interrupted due to certain attacks on a, the collective nation, mm-hmm. drugs, prison, whatever. Um but I feel like when um because I feel like there's this conversation, and I was placing it like that because I feel like there's a conversation as if having a queer feminist lens or being new African womanist, which I like to identify as, mm-hmm. or just even trying to acknowledge gender in the expansive way that it's supposed to be as you were getting to Z, it seems like, oh, that must be a, a trap or yes, that's yeah, what yeah. did or that. But I'm like, but literally in our practice, mm-hmm. We lit like, like in elementary school, the first accessible fight, like you don't talk about my mama man. Like, so we honor women in a certain way. I feel like queer people, queer bodies, none com none gender conforming um folks in our bodies have always been around. Mm-hmm. Um and mm-hmm. I feel like the conversation now is like whether we will acknowledge that we see each other. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a certain level of liberation in itself because we're in a society as black people who have been taught like, you know, being seen and not heard or don't be seen and work in the shadows mm-hmm. and all the different things. Like I um, like I equated to like when you're in the serving space. Um, I'm in a nonprofit world, so going to the conference of you know days before Corona, you might have like um, servers who are supposed to be in the back of the room, completely quiet, yeah. but they'll clean your space, they'll do different things. I intentionally speak to them, um, and I feel like that's how then black folks are done in, in society. Like they don't want to mm-hmm. see us, but yet they, from our benefits, whether it's our culture or our extractive labor, um, and then I feel like that's the same way. Then we go back and do for queer bodies. Um, um, queer bodies and queer people and non-gender conforming folks um, and I'm trying to just like not lump sexualities and identities all together because they're not like what mm-hmm. subject matter mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I feel like like Z was saying like our duty is to continue the work um, to continue the advancement towards liberation and so we must be inclusive 
of the entire nation. And we should not allow for times in the past or times to some type of social agreement that we don't respond to someone who is being murdered, um, mm-hmm. who is being under attack and under assault. Like, it's no longer okay. And really, I would say it's never been okay. But now we're just correcting the narrative that's out there because we'll... Um, We'll give all praise to Mama Harriet Tubman. Um, and we see like how she's portrayed or how she's described. She's um, not that definition or how we want to put women into boxes if they never led our movements and had those impacts. I would say when our ancestors were enslaved, we weren't women or men. We were bodies in the field. We birthed babies, but we had to go right back there out to them. And so I think right now when we're trying to liberate this nation that's been held in bondage and is constantly under attack, we must show up for all of us because indeed we have always shown up for us. I think there's, we'll talk the criminal justice system and mass incarceration, but queer women were, or queer bodies were in those um, movements or in those Mm -hmm. resistance. And we stand on all of those shoulders. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't, success is to ignore half the nation and I think it just allows for us to get it right the same way we are intentional about intergenerational because young people in our eldest guy mm-hmm. um, real estate in the conversation we have to be clear when we are going to bring who we see into conversation yes I love like, if y'all can see mm. me right now like I'm like dancing in my <laughs> feet because this is like <laughs> this is so rich mm-hmm. and I feel like you know even as y'all are talking about you know, the work that we're doing, like within MXGM, which is a part of this larger new African independence movement to really expand these definitions. I even think about how that work needs to be done, like even within African traditional religion. So I want to get into that Mm -hmm. in a little bit and like some of the things that have been like, you know, kind of popping up on Facebook lately. Um, But before we even get into that, um, can y'all just describe a little bit about what your spiritual practice is? Um, what is it that mm-hmm. you practice and how did you come to practice African traditional religion? Oh, yeah. I would say I'll jump because mine's probably a little bit more. I wouldn't be like all over the board, but again, I'm a, a child of the U.S. Black South. And so um I grew up once I, um, as my dad would want to be really clear and say we are Southern Baptists. <laughs> it sounded like it wasn't the, what's the <laughs> distinction, but my grandfather on my mom's side was a preacher and we grew up in the church. I wanted to be baptized, like all of those things. Um, and I say that because I also still was born under, I was black, like I was really clear. So it was like all the culture pieces of that. Mm-hmm. And as I got, as, as I became older and, went to college and just got exposed to more things. Um in a um I got introduced to Ifa and a con and then just all the different spiritualities. Some of my biggest mentors are priests in certain um and certain other spiritualities. And then in Atlanta there's just different spiritual communities that's available. Um and so I was bringing that up because I, when I was getting introduced to it, I was told that, in fact, I actually didn't have to choose which path to take um, as I got introduced more into how you, you know, you connect with your ancestors and you build your altars. 
my practices that I was birthed into Christianity and Southern Baptist, it didn't feel like so it was shown, like it wasn't, um, it wasn't like vilified and say, now I have to come over here. And then as I began to bring those certain practices into my home and my dad would see it, he would bring back things that my grandmother would do and his mm-hmm. grandmother's food. And his great grandmother was enslaved until she was eight. Mm-hmm. So we're not that many mm-hmm. generations removed. But, you know, it's just like big families. Like he's the baby of like uh, six and then his mom had like uh, 14 siblings and she was like a mm-hmm. younger one so the generations are there but we aren't that removed from enslavement but I thought it was so interesting with in the things that I was reclaiming and being introduced to African spirituality some of these was already southern roots mm-hmm. and practices mm-hmm. and so I would just say that I always be like oh I'm a, um I love me some good um heathen gospel mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes the house me good it recenters me, but I do acknowledge like having my altar and feeding my altar, um, being aware of Evo and certain things that I'm supposed to practice. And when I don't do them, <laughs> I, I get some lessons real quick. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. again, I was never sport, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'd be like, no, 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 don't tell me, don't tell me almost. Um, so I, I think um, since it was gifted to me in a way that I didn't inherently have to choose, but there's so much affirmation and alignment. Um, I definitely practice African spirituality, but I honor the traditions of my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and those don't seem to be contradictions. I mean, even you, yeah, you have helped me with some pieces and you affirm the readings that I may have been given mm-hmm. and if I like, get it together. So I think that's where I kind of fall in. But I wanted to get mine out the way because I know Z's is much grounded and based. I don't know about all that, because I had a messy journey, so there's that. Um, but uh, so me, so I'll preface the statement with like I'm still Christian, but I was born in a Baptist church uh, in Philly. My dad was a preacher, and then he became a pastor when I was a teenager. So it's interesting for me because one of the jokes that I like to tell is like I literally lived in a church the first year of my life. It's it's interesting. So I literally grew up in that space. And I want to say I started hearing things about Ifa, but there was this weird thing. You might know how it is, like Taliba and Ia, where some people, instead of saying like Ifa, they would say that they practice Yoruba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I remember that was how it was introduced to me. Yeah. Like this woman that kept saying she practices Yoruba. And I was just like, okay. And it wasn't until I transferred schools that I started learning the more technicalized terms. And of course, like that, no, you don't practice Yoruba or whatever. Um, but <clears throat> My introduction was really messy. I'm going to just be frank. I have no idea. Me and my godmother, we talk about this all the time. I have no idea how or why it happened the way that it did. But at the same time, I was able to come into contact with, like, my godmothers through um, organizing spaces. And I think that was, like, the use right. part. Like, literally, I came, I came to this journey through movement work. Yeah. Um, so movement work is what got me to be able to learn all of these things about Ifa. And so literally, I could say 
it was three years ago that it was like it became more I don't want to say it was consecrated but it was became more official that my godmother was my godmother mm-hmm. uh, and so what I love about um, how we practice is that it's it's actually mixed mm-hmm. it, it's kind of more I don't want to say hybrid but in a roundabout way it is so basically we practice it in a way where it's like she's initiated you know and Luke with me and like Isha mm-hmm. as well, which I think was really important. And that was passed down to us. So right. yes, um, in one hand, you know, I did, you know, get my egg on stick, which is like a very Lukumi style of doing things. But then on the other hand, I received my hand to be five. Mm-hmm. So for me, being able to literally get the best of like multiple worlds, I don't even want to say both worlds, but multiple worlds, mm-hmm. I think that was very, very useful and helpful. And so going along on my spiritual journey, it's helpful too, because even the people who are in my e-layer, the people who I'm around, I don't know, I guess it's like my godmother, she she looked out in a way where <laughs> a lot of her um, godchildren are like queer and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So she, right. has, she has to guide us in a way that I think that differs from other godchildren in a roundabout mm-hmm. way. Um, because we have that, we have uh, we have different understandings of gender. Right. Um, we have different understandings of like even how we look at deities and whatnot. Like we talked about mm-hmm. this before, like with the Orishas, like how people yeah. try to gender the Orishas in a way, or even try to make Ooh. them biological yes. in a way that, that is doesn't just make sense. Not right, right, yes. right, right, and and I not to even cut you off because I hear you speak. I was like, oh, that's really real because, um, again, like I said, I was grounded in the oppressions being in the U.S. South, but I actually went through like calling myself, kind of go through all the religions, just trying to ground myself because mm-hmm. I kept having more questions than not the the Bible could answer. But mm-hmm. even to your point around like. Um, when you were saying, um, yeah, like just around like, oh, how does this get into spirituality and different pieces? I also, I think there's like a responsibility or just intention to really understand what it is. And sometimes I think religions has a bad case of um, telephone. But when you were talking to biological pieces, Z, I just remember it being broke down once. Like, oh, sometimes folks are mounted. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. so it's not just all like mm-hmm. centered and gender because that was like a disruption for me too. Like trying to figure out what was needed to respect the Igbo, to do those different things. And then to say how, I don't know, it just caused like a big issue over if Oshun's favorite lesbians oh, or not. Or <laughs> folks. And it was just, and I know that we're not having but that no, conversation, so maybe you invite us back. <laughs> no, but this But I thought that I just thought it was so interesting how that caused such a big distinction. There's like a real clear like device with it. Um some folks who are Ocean priestess felt the way about it if they in themselves were like homophobic or anti-homosexuality um which I prefer to use like over homophobia because it's like it's just a definition y'all but folks like to break down their phobia word so I feel like right but I thought that that was so interesting and so it again it mm-hmm. became so I would say in those ways is why my spirituality practice is probably so smaller individual um, because I was in that way of being introduced to something. But then yet again, I just felt like colonialism or imperialistic values of Western culture and Western colonization was put on something that was supposed to be so 
from the continent returning to the motherland things like that and it also so i was i i don't know when you were speaking that was brought up for me too like no, yeah i think because i was like is this no, true or is this human interpretation i'll stop mm-hmm. but i was just like is this really the, what the spirituality mm-hmm. is or is this now colonized people trying to work through their own oppressions and now they're putting it on the spirituality mm. i feel like that's part yes. of it because i know it, it's interesting because i know even you know talking to yeah part of the the struggle that i had been having over the years and part of the reasons why i was getting so much wrong was because of like this whole thing about masculinity and femininity and i remember mm-hmm. it was this there was this person that claimed to be a priestess or something, I don't know, um, <laughs> who <laughs> basically the, the sentiment was by looking at a person, it was like they could just tell yeah. that, you know, you were probably oh, Ocean's child because you were so oh, feminine. You goodness. know what I mean? And, and it's so funny now because, like, learning that I was a child of Obatala was kind of like... I had to learn not to have any sort of expectation because I think even like popular <laughs> culture and things like that will make you right. think that you're supposed to be in a particular way. Like, oh, if I always see yellow, right. if I always wear yellow, I gotta be Oshun. Especially shop. after Beyonce <laughs> dropped her. I knew somebody right. was gonna bring that up. <laughs> but like, but that was just how it was. And it's interesting now because even though I'm more femme identifying, I definitely have like a masculine energy and a masculine streak at the same time. So all of this stuff about Oshun and like you're definitely Oshun's child. I mean, it it really, you know what I mean? It didn't really shake out to whatever it was that the woman was saying. But every time she saw a man, she would always say, Sean go. Sean go. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's really interesting too, like, you know, when you were talking about um, well, first of all, I love that both of y'all talked about your Christian roots when it comes to really like identifying your lineage. Cause I think that that's really, really important and really understanding, you know, that when our ancestors were brought here, like the, those being and those African ways of working spirit, like they just showed up in a different way, you know, you know, like now we kind of, you know, we call it hoodoo. And in so many of our families, you know, it might not have been called that, but we knew what it was. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you knew what yes. it was. Like, these pieces yes. of, like, you know, cleaning the house, you know, and, and you know, I know from my right. mind. Don't sweep on people's feet. Yes, you know, don't sweep on people's feet. You know, you got to scrub down the steps because you don't, you know, the, you don't want certain energies coming into your house. You know, all of these different things, right. like how we do yeah. Even like referencing like pot liquor, you know, as a as a way to like you know, okay. keep you from getting sick, you know. And for those who don't know what pot liquor is, mm-hmm. it's basically all of the juice when you make the greens, right? Like all of that broth is referred to as mm-hmm. pot liquor. You drink that. That's where all the the vitamins are. But like that's all a part of like our culture. So I just love that you doing that. Mm-hmm. And it made mm-hmm. me think. So D, when you talked about you know your father being a preacher and then being a pastor, and then when you got to Edmund, mm-hmm. so it was great because D's father was there, and I remember mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. after we had fed the ancestors and everything, um, and we threw Obi to see if everything was accepted, and it wasn't. And they were like, he had to say gospel. 
here we are, like, mm. you know, doing this, like, Lukumi ceremony, and the ancestors are like, no, but we want to hear him sing some gospel songs. Like, this is what, this, this is what needs to happen for the ceremony to be complete. And so, I just love right. that y'all, right. like, didn't just, like, because sometimes I think people just jump right into, like, oh, the Orishas, and it's like, well, that's great. We have this yeah. here that we got directly from <laughs> mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents that we don't need to ignore right. or cut off because, like, oh, now we have access to, you know, Lukumi or Isheshe or, or Khan or all these other things. So I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's really big too because I love that you brought that up too with the ceremony pieces because that was something I felt like affirmations and if it's you getting back to your ancestors mm-hmm. then those would be songs that you would mm-hmm. sing to bring with them and i even noticed when my my dad used to be like stop he would be like stop playing with that because yeah, that's listen. real <laughs> but then he didn't want me to do my work in my practice but when you said that subconscious of how it carries on now my father's not one inherently to build an altar white cloth mm-hmm. and do all of that but as i, I continue to see and then could see parallels between practices. He literally had a table that was, and he has, so, you know, old 80, 90s parents. So he has, we printed pictures and we got them in frames and stuff. But this one particular table, I thought it was so interesting that it had both sets of his great, uh, both sets of his grandparents, my great grandparents, and then his mother and father who had transitioned. And he kept a beard that my grandfather mm-hmm. liked to there drink. You go. He kept a bowl there of candy. And he kept the there candy you go. doll literally yeah. on this table. And it was a great, he wouldn't let you put your keys on this table. He wouldn't let you just like, you just happen to come in and drop the mail down. It did not go on that table. You had to like walk past it to get to another table. Wow. You're questioning my new adopted practices, but yet, you got this set up right here. And then he would start to allow me to put a mm-hmm. plate of food when we would gather for different holidays and stuff. Wow. And so, yeah, I was bringing back that yeah. for me as well. But I thought that was so interesting. One of our living and ancestors was on that same table, but his lineage was there. See, that's so mm-hmm. neat because, you know, even for a lot of our people, like, you know, like I remember one of my, she's my great, great aunt because she's my great grandmother's sister. But like when she passed away, we had to go and clean out her house and she had this china cabinet that was just full of pictures of the family. Mm. So for like a lot of us, you know, a lot of our ancestors, they may have used like china cap- um, china cabinet. They used the family Bible, you know, that kept yeah. like pictures and like yes. the family tree. So we had all different ways that we like right. honored our ancestors. So yes, I love that. And like just that retention of like, even when you don't know it, like consciously like even if you're not like oh here is my office mm-hmm. but like that's what you created anyway you know because it's something within you mm-hmm. that tells you right. I need to honor my ancestors you know in this way so I think that's that's so beautiful I love that um I wanted to come mm-hmm. back to something that you were um talking about I think you were talking about about this Taliba um like was kind of like introduced to like Orisha tradition in a more formal way and it was all of like this divisiveness around you know gender and I guess like people were saying Oshun you know was like favoring lesbian women and it like caused like some like Mm -hmm, controversy mm -hmm. so yes I definitely remember that Mm -hmm. um I definitely remember one time 
um, referring to Oshun as a feminist and people got mad. <laughs> it was like, don't call her that, you know. Um, and of course, because for them, it's like feminism right. is like white women's work. And I'm just like, there's like mm-hmm. a history and like lineage of like black women doing this work <laughs> that y'all just continue to ignore. Right. Um, but yeah, it really like so like that, and I and I love like that you brought up Oshun because of course that's my mother. I'm initiated to Oshun, but I feel like like she's like very misunderstood a lot of times. And so mm-hmm. there's this story mm-hmm. like in one of the Yoruba creation stories, Olodumare basically sends the Irumole, which are the primordial energies, down to Earth to prepare it for habitation. And he sends 200 male or masculine mm-hmm. or mask, you know, Irumole and Oshun. And so, you know, mm. these 200 Irumole, they start doing their work and they basically tell Oshun, like, well, we don't really need you. You can kind of like sit in the corner. You could be ornamental. You're really pretty. You know, you can just kind of sit over there and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll do the real work, right? We'll do the, the quote unquote man work. Mm-hmm. And so everything <laughs> that they're doing right. is failing and they don't know why. And so they go back to Olodumare and Olodumare is like, well, where is Oshun? And they're like, oh, you know, we really didn't involve no. her, you know, in the work because, you know, she wasn't really needed. And Olodumare <laughs> was like, no, like she definitely was needed. <laughs> like that is why I right, her. right, right. That's the why I sent her. Like you know, if she wasn't even, I wouldn't have sent her. Right. Yes, um. And so they right. basically now had to go back to Oshun. They had to beg her forgiveness, and then only when she lended her energy to the work was like creation successful. But out of that, though, like mm-hmm. Oshun has like has certain titles. So one of Oshun's titles is Iyalo Day. So, like, in many of the Oshun songs, mm-hmm. it was, like, sing Yalo Day. And I always knew that was, like, a title of, like, appreciation. It's, like, you know, really speaks about mm-hmm. her, like, with respect mm-hmm. as, like, a mother. But when I went to Nigeria, I learned that Yalo Day is a title for a, a female chief. And the Yalo Day oh. of the town specifically speaks for the women and the children of that town. So that is hmm. like connected to who Oshun is. And so I think that, you know, because right. Oshun, like, because a part of her role was to like speak for those that were in the margins that can like easily be forgotten. Then I mm-hmm. think like every time we see marginal people, right. we're like, okay, Oshun speaks for those people. So whether that's like Oshun speaks for lesbian right. women. Oshun speaks for queer people. Oshun speaks for sex workers. Like that, I think that's why you know, Oshun is like connected to those people who are on the margins. And I think that sometimes when people look at things so rigidly, like they're just like, no, 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 Oshun doesn't have anything to do with those things. You know, Um, but it's like, you don't understand like Oshun like literally was like, she like a part of her role is to speak for those who were on the margins, right? And like that role still exists in Yoruba society. The Iyalo Day speaks for the women and the children so that they're not forgotten when decisions are being made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's what people, you know, they don't get that sometimes. Um, And like now there's this new thing because, you know, we have Olokun who is an Orisha that is um, the Orisha of the ocean. And in some places, 
um, Olokun is masculine. And in some places, Olokun is feminine. And so there are some queer people who are identifying with that, right? And they're like, wow, you know, just like mm -hmm, Olokun mm -hmm. kind of has like this fluid identity, you know, it really resonates with me as a queer person or as a trans right. person. And then people are getting upset because they're like, oh, they're trying to say that Olokun is a transgendered Orisha. And it's like, that's not what people are saying. Right, like, not right, right, right. <laughs> it was like language doesn't work that way. Yeah, and I think for me in the right, and I feel like the resistance is the resistance for me is or the love for the resistance is simply like if you don't have language to try to actually articulate what you're saying, then you'll just keep trying to make things fall into your incomplete mm -hmm. boxes already. And it's like no, yeah, I don't know. This is my takeaway. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, just be, we're best in our most experience. Exactly, like, exactly. And like my whole thing too is like, you know, like these practices, and this is what I think really distinguishes, you know, African spirituality from the way that like Christian, Christianity has kind of been co-opted, you know, is that like, I know like when I went to church, it was like this idea of like, okay, this is the Bible, this is the word of God. And like, that's like it, you know, like this is it. <laughs> like there's, there's no more. But I think, yeah. you know, with African spirituality, like we know that we're always learning, we're always discovering, like this text of knowledge is always growing. And I think sometimes like people kind of get stuck in like, oh, well, you know, if our ancestors weren't using this type of language or if our ancestors weren't, you know, believing this type of thing, then we shouldn't either. But there's so many examples of things, like even if you take Yoruba right. society, like there was one time when twins were regarded as evil and were killed. Like they don't do that no more. Like, so it's like, if you see right, like right, changes right. have occurred, then like, why do you like get stuck? Like, oh, it has to be good. Mm -hmm. Or even if you literally, right, even if you literally embody what the example you've been given, and that was, again, about the issue mm -hmm. with the Bible, even. Like, there's an Old Testament and a New yes. Testament. And you want to tell me, since that book's been written, we ain't right. had no more books? We need the book of Mary, of uh, Mother Teresa, and, right, God, right. and Malcolm, right. <laughs> and Betty. Like, I'm just be thinking about, we need the books of all of them. And how do we not say that we haven't What's going on with the Palestinian people? Don't mm, deserve the testimony. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we don't have no more mm -hmm. books to be written. Harriet Tubman right. ain't um, no prophet. Send down. And the new Moses. I don't know. I'm just thinking in that way. Mm -hmm. Like, we're referring mm -hmm. to her as Moses, but then act as if we're not still moving. So, centuries to come from us aren't reading in stories about what's happening now. Right. So yeah, and I feel like, like you're saying, I feel like we'll reject literally what's mm -hmm. been given to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So where, what, what, have, what would yeah, you say um, inspires your work as an activist? Like, are there people that you look to, um, particularly black women? Are there black women that you look to that kind of inspire you in your work? Definitely, definitely. Um, let me think. So I would say right off the bat for me, definitely mm -hmm. Harriet Tubman. So mm -hmm. journey truth and not for always just the mm -hmm. reasons that come to people's minds immediately. I think I just like the way that, um, you know, she took her identity and she flipped it. Yeah. White women mm -hmm. were just always lying about her. They just had, they just told so many lies about this woman. <laughs> 
but she always used it to her own mm-hmm. advantage. You know, like whatever you yeah. saw, she was just going kind of, yeah, that she she was a trickster. And I think that's just something that I really, really loved about um, mm-hmm. what she represented and what she embodied. Um, definitely Marsha P. Johnson, especially, you know, for somebody who did so much work around sex work. And, you know, it, just the thing, even a person like Marsha P. Johnson or like, you know, Sylvia Rivera, these are two women who literally experienced discrimination even from other right. queer people. They were not even feeling right. what they were doing, that work. Um, so definitely them. Definitely um, over the years, learning more and more about, you know, Mama Nahanda, that's just, that's been yeah. Yeah. rich for me. I never <laughs> met her, but that's been really rich for me. Um, yeah, she's so great. Proud of Yes. Well, there we go. There we go. Okay. Be real clear. I was, and I would say also like the both of you, just being around the both of you has really, really helped me grow politically. Because at this point, I'm thinking about, I'm like, by the end of this, not even by the end of this year, but closer to the end of this year, it'll be five years since I joined MXGM. Mm-hmm. So I just think that I've developed in so many ways, just being around. Black women, Black queer people as well, who just literally are about that work, about that life. And I think that that's only important from this perspective, because I, I mean, I hate to say it, I'm not going to, I don't want to compare like the work we do with other organizations, but I can say it in, in this way. <laughs> I think I think it's been useful to see that there are people who can be new African, there are people who can be pan-Africanists, there are people who can be revolutionary nationalists. And still see the value um, in something like Black queerness, Black queer, you know, um, ways of being, uh, Black feminist ways of being, you know, all those kinds of things. Because so many people would say that that's not something that we would do. Right. Like a lot of people will argue that's not new African, Mm -hmm. that's not whatever it is. But here we are as like as people really, really not just, I wouldn't even say just challenging that because I feel like to base everything in it's just like we're operating from this stance of defensiveness. I don't even think that that's right. even true of what we do. <laughs> I think if anything, people will come and people will kind of reject those kinds of things, but we're, we're, we're pushing something else. We're just, like you said, we, we are living kind of in the future. We're doing that future work. We're really invested in concepts of the otherwise. Um, we're not yeah. trying to do the things that are not, you know, necessarily of this world. And it's funny because even like as a Christian and even practicing Ifa, there's that expression: um, uh, "You may be in the world, but you can't be of this world." I think that that's just something that we all are kind of called to do, especially all of us that are even speaking together right now. So I think mm-hmm. these are just some of the people. But I mean, mm-hmm. Audrey Lore, other people, of course. But I think. I really, really want to honor the women, even like my mother. These are the folk who shaped me as me. I think sometimes it's easy for me to name someone that, you know, seems so big and grand and that everyone knows. But, right. but honestly, it has been my mother, you know, Leslie, or my grandmother, Vincina, and just the women in my okay. family, the women in my life, and the women I've organized with, like, you know, like I said, like the two of you. Yeah, no, I'm. That's so golden and rich. And I was literally gonna say, yeah, the women and nonconformers, like in my world, like my my village and tribe, which I hold so like serious and dear. Um, I think it's just I would say those are so necessary, but definitely 
to put names out and maybe it could be helpful to others. Um, I would mm-hmm. say aside of Shakur, we definitely say like, oh, you're getting into this Black liberation mm-hmm. work. Go read the autobiography on Malcolm X. I was so um, gifted to someone say like, actually, you need to go read that book. <laughs> and reading her book, it just came at a real pivotal point. I was um, privileged to meet Mama Nahanda Abigail Jewel. And I have to tell you, say what? Go ahead and Google that Nahanda N-E-H-A-N-D-A, Abiel Dune, A-B-I-O-D-U-N. Yeah, I think she did. Or put it somewhere. Um, but I would just say she's so dope. Like her story and her commitment. And I'm like, I got to put my stuff together. You got to just give it to the world to see it. Um, I would say trying to really understand who uh, Mama Harriet was. Um, going to her little birth spot. She has her own museum. Let's say like out there would be dope um but then real talk like when i think about different folks um i love the um mm-hmm. mabel williams um mm-hmm. who was robert williams wife mm-hmm. and uh, sarah garvey and i would have to say like even learning more about Coretta scott king because we hear like martin a lot learning about her mm-hmm. and betty shabash is like seeing them i think it's dope um honoring the women in our family um it's like a joke my mom was like four out of what or out of the five kids like four were girls we just like girl it up so I definitely think there's something to lean into family and I know that there might be things where you might want to resist but um I think there is still something to just even understanding your own roots is a piece um Sojourner Truth but you named most mm-hmm. of the folks I was thinking about mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Lord, and then I really yeah. dig Octavia Butler um, just yes. her, like, through her work um yeah I was like mm-hmm. just reading the work but I feel like it allows you to be expanded and it can break you from mm-hmm. boxes um Sister Soldier mm-hmm. also dope um and then, ironically enough, the Mary J. Blige of the world, her story, her journey, her that. engagement, um, I think is so, so necessary. And um, I just have, like, other, all these things coming to mind, but I'll pause there. But I think, um, yeah, it's I so good. That. I love Aww, that. Yeah. Yes. Like, I just love yeah. that like, tied in so many different people, you know, and even thinking about you know, like you said, Z, like not just like those names that people know, but like the women in our family, our mothers, our aunties, you know, our sisters, our friends, our grandmothers, mm-hmm. like that's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you had something Ooh. else to leave us? I did. I'm sorry, because I had her name and then it just went everywhere. So one who I wanted to lift up is Asha oh, Vendelli. Yeah, She's also an author. I made sure I made her so many dollars. And I just say a member of the crew, but she, yes, and then if you get, like, she yeah, opens her mouth. Really I remember when we did that, uh, that, um, from whatever her that stuff. workshop with her in Cleveland for the, um, yeah, for the, what was it called again? Uh, right. The Movement for Black Lives, what um, Convenience. What, mm-hmm. Yeah, what yeah. Kind of taught what us. Is, oh my yeah, God, that was the first really time. Us. I read Asha's mm-hmm. work, but I hadn't, like, heard her speak. I was like, what? Like, we need to just sit down. Like, she could just do this. <laughs> right? Why are we so up we here right her, now? Like, it's the so I wanted to lift her. Right, I wanted to lift her up, and then real talk, y'all, with some of my minds, just another contemporary, and we're again gifted to be comrades and family. Yay! But Rupia, Rupia, Lamuva, Lamuva. Um, I think I've never met her mom. 
Yeah, I never met her mom. She's a definitely comrade of my yayas here in Atlanta. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, out of Emoja, which I yeah. like check out. She's and so I also cool. have to lift up Mama Kinganji too. Um, is a part of my MSCM network. Yes, Mama Kinganji. Like, I learned so much from Mama yep. Kinganji when we did that uh, Asada in the mm-hmm. Honda piece. Like, I just learned like so much. Like, you know, because she like knew them in that yes. way. So that was that was amazing. I got. I definitely. Okay, so, so definitely, um, uh, Doctor uh, Sarita uh, Davis. She, I call her my mom, but she definitely has stepped in as like a mother figure, especially after my mom had passed some years back. So I really, really appreciate her. And then I want to also just give a shout out to like my friends, because like my best friend, um, my sister Nakia. Uh, Brittany was has been my best friend for like the last literally 10 to 11 years and so even though you know everybody's getting married <laughs> and having kids and stuff like this is a person that's really really um, influenced me in a lot of ways my homegirl Nate she's just this magnificent trans femme that talks a lot about the ways that um, we think of trans people the way that we try to visibilize them versus actually seeing trans people. Mm. She does a lot of work around that. Really important stuff. Um, my homegirl, Beza Fakata. Um, Jamie Swift, who does yeah. um, Black Women Radicals. She's just been doing a lot of important work. So I've just been, I've been blessed to just know a lot of um, amazing like women and like genderqueer mm-hmm. folks. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I was going to give it with too. I was thinking, like, and also Mama Heidi. And I feel like with the women of the Macbeth Grassies movement and the New African People's Organization, it's something to come into a black nationalist, revolutionary mm-hmm. nationalist group. And then you see the women in their presence mm-hmm. and you see their work when they're not. And I feel like that was just all again affirming. So, yeah, I just wanted to mm-hmm. lift those up in the homies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Liba, you don't sound as clear as you did before. I don't know if you did anything differently, like if you moved away or something. I don't think so. What about now? Yeah, it's still not as clear. But that's okay, because we're actually about to end, because you know what? The Grammys are coming on, and I kind of do want (laughs) to see some of these performances. Oh, you gonna watch? I don't even. Yeah, I think I'm gonna try to watch some of it. I don't think I'm gonna watch all of it, but I'm trying to just, you know. What'd you say? Yeah, Megan is. Oh yeah, yeah Megan, Megan, Megan is performing. Um, yeah. so just one more question for y'all. So, how does your spirituality show up in your everyday okay. life and work? Are there like any self care practices you do to um keep yourself centered or protected? Hmm.
you know, sit with the ancestors. Um, and try, I'm trying to lean into hearing the whisper mm -hmm. before they shout in my ear. <laughs> the, it's not my first phase, but I would say, like, just getting back into the practice of sitting with ancestors, um, centering and meditating with a little bit of Florida water mm -hmm. and just being still. Um, I love that and it is still a little bit hard to hear you mm -hmm. Taliba so I'm just gonna mm -hmm. like repeat what you said but basically like sitting still with your ancestors really going back to like sitting at your altar you know with some Florida water wanting to really hear when they are whispering before they start to shout which I love the way you said that <laughs> like let's let's listen the first time they speak <laughs> so they don't have to shout at us so I love that yes what about you Z? So I would say, because you're my godmother, a lot of stuff I just have to go to you for. Monthly offerings um, to SU. Right. Monthly offerings to SU. Like, literally, yes. tomorrow, this is happening. Um, but um, between that, um, one of the things I've been trying to do regularly, I still got to go back and, and get some more stuff from you. But I've been keeping the little bit left from the spiritual bath and kind of like once a week. Then like, cause it all you need is really mm -hmm. a little bit. You don't need like a bunch, like with the prayers and stuff. So that's something I've learned too. Um, so that's why I've been able to make it last so long. But I've been taking like a cat pool, putting it in, um, just saying my prayers and doing what I need to do with that. I do need to be better though, y'all, um, about sitting with yeah, my ancestors, ancestors because you know I have my egg on stick mm -hmm. over there. But I think sometimes with me having like receiving my hand, there are some things that I don't always remember to do. <laughs> So I'm like, you know what? Let me get back to doing those things once a week because I feel like that's mm -hmm. the thing that needs to happen ASAP. Um, in terms of being in COVID, listen, I just try not to be around people. <laughs> but no, it's um, true because like, <laughs> like, I don't go nowhere. So we have to. Yeah, I just try not to be. Like, you know, every once in a while, like, you know, now I will say I do try to keep my, my nails up. And, like, I may try to keep my hair up, you know, because I'm lacking. But I'm about to go bald, y'all. I'm tired of this. <laughs> um, but uh, these are just some of the things that I've been doing um, for myself. But I'm also just trying to be patient with the process because I'm one of those people where I'm very impatient. So, like, so, like, EI has been definitely teaching. Because we'll be, like, I know, like, with, as God children, it's like, well, why can't we do this now? Or, like, why is this taking so long? And it might, like. I, like, listen, Baba, like, yes, my husband will be know. like, you know, soon. African time. We really soon. think soon means soon, but soon could be like. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same like, way. Hey. So, can we get like a more concrete, right. like, idea of what <laughs> Right, right. Like, soon. But yeah, I think just trying to be patient, trying to learn to be patient, but like, a lot of things are just starting to fall into place. And then also trying to sit, like, from a, just a mental health standpoint, I'm a person that I like to go to a therapist every two weeks. This is just something that I do with my life. It helps with my wellness. It helps me to, you know, feel grounded and situated. And it's, like, one of the things that I like about my therapist is this, that she has an understanding of, like, how important spirituality mm -hmm. is to me. So she'll bring that up. Or, like, my values, my ethics, all those things. It'll come up, you know. So that's right. something that I appreciate it. and I think it, it helps when you have someone who can speak those languages because when they can't, mm -hmm. it's very, very mm -hmm. hard to work with somebody like that. I love that. Do you want to lift up your therapist's name in case people want to seek them out? 
Yes. So um, her name is Dr. Sharon Edmond, but I think she's actually getting a new job. But still, I still want to put that out there. Okay. She's located in like Austin area. All so, right. Like, check her out. Austin, Texas. Austin. But you say Taliba? I would say, is that Austin, the city in Pennsylvania, where y'all are? Oh, Austin, Texas. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, let me just say that I am just, like, so grateful for this Mm -hmm. conversation, conversation, not just for, like, for the time that y'all have taken, but also just for, like, everything that y'all shared. So, like, this was really, really, really good. Like, it was so many jewels that y'all dropped. Yes, Um, yes. So as we just finish this up, how can folks, folks contact you if they want to connect with you? Like, do you want to drop all your, like, social media? Do you want to drop your email? <laughs> if you want to, you do not have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it was, it was like, I just, I'm not on Twitter or anything anymore, so I just don't really have much. <laughs> I was going to say definitely like, you know, MXM National or um okay on twitter um so yeah the journey seeds i can um yeah i'm not yeah and i definitely i'll I'll link it you know so everybody can see it and they can you know just go straight to the social media but thank y'all so much again this is so wonderful i love this thank you so much we should do this more like now i'm like thinking of other stuff to talk about um but yeah this was really good thank y'all so much all right, take care, oh, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. All right, free right, the land, take y'all. Take care, free the land, y'all. So that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. I will definitely make sure that wherever I share this, I will um, put in both Taliba and Zalika's social media contact, as well as the folks that we mentioned on this episode, just in case you want to connect with those folks or learn more about them. Again, I thank you all for listening and may you continue to have many blessings in your life and have strong, powerful juju. Ashe.